turn your light on? What was that? You turn your recorder on? Yeah, I'm starting. Okay. Uh, with this year, I'm going to complete, actually, the first parak of the, of the Ramchal, Derech Hashem. It's not really completion, but it, it certainly goes into the last area, uh, which uh, is critical, on who is God. And it's something, it's, an, it's a level of understanding which in many ways is unknown. Um, I had mentioned that there are many different things to know about the Rabbanu Shlomo. And it's all summarized in the word called Echot, or One. The concept of One, Oneness. And I mentioned also that, it, that there are different uh, dimensions of the concept of Oneness when you talk about the Rabbanu Shlomo. When you say Shema Yisrael Hashem Ken Hashem Echod, that God is one. Normally we think of the fact that he's one and he's not two. But I had mentioned that it's much more f- profound than that. First concept I had mentioned, in the, fence, the sense that he's one and not two, is that he is absolutely one, which means that they cannot be two. They cannot be two. <coughs> So therefore, what does that mean? That means existence does not allow a being of the qualities of God does not allow two. It only allows one. So God is absolutely one, not relatively one. Very important concept. You know, if you ever ask somebody, well, it's a motion of one, yeah, but is that because he's lucky? You know, many people don't realize that. No, they cannot be two of that type of being. That's number one. First concept of Echod. That's called absolute oneness. The second Echod, that's called he's externally one. He's only one. The second Echod is that he's poshut. He's simple. God is simple. What is simplicity? One. Complexity is multiple. More than one. So when we say God is simple, there are certain ideas that are meant by that. One is that he is indivisible. You can't cut him into parts. Human being can be cut into billions of parts, cells and all that. With God, it's a simple being. There's only one thing and he's indivisible. We can hear that what that means, but we don't understand what that means. The one is indivisible. There are no parts. There are no pieces that you can divide, you see. So that's the second concept of simplicity, which means that he is an internally one. Pashtus, Ramchal calls it. Poshet. <coughs> an allied idea to that is that not only is God one in the sense that he's indivisible, in, indivisible, it can't be cut, but the second idea was the fact that he and whatever he does, his acts, are hainuhach, it's identical. When we say God knows something, by <coughs> us, we are the subject, we have knowledge, and we have an act of knowing this. Three things. With the Rabbana there's no such thing. He is identical to the knowledge, which is identical to the act of knowing itself. There are no parts. It's one concept called God. So God is knowledge, 
It's identical. He is memory, he's identical to his memory, etc. Again, like I tell the Rambam says, that we cannot understand what that means. We can hear it, but we do not understand or comprehend how something like that, what it is. I was a second idea of Poshit. What was that? These things are known to us through Kabbalah or through uh, Seiko? Well, they certainly know Kabbalah in the sense of Maseris, yes. Yeah, that's right. They're known to us through Maseris, yeah. What was that? Yeah, yeah. Very important idea. It's a whole different understanding. Because if you don't understand then what I said, you couldn't have figured it out. What? You couldn't have figured this out if no. you don't even know what these things are. Well, the proof of that is there is no religions in the world that think this way. Think about that. Not that you're familiar with other religions. You know, but there are no religions that look at God <coughs> this way. I mean, you take Christianity. Christianity argues, is he male or female? That's where they're at. You know? But the truth is that, which we'll see, is that, is that the Rosh, like I said, is indivisible and he's identical with his actions and the products of those actions. Same being. That's called Poshit. Then I mentioned, Ramchal says that, this is known about him. Right? There's only one thing known about him, and that he is perfect. Perfection. <clears throat> There's no chesom cloud. And I mentioned, you know, perfection of what? You know, when something <coughs> is perfect, perfection is what's called an accident. <coughs> it means that perfection of something, <coughs> when something is complete, when something has the totality of everything it could be, we could say that that's perfect. You know? But perfection isn't a thing, it's a statement, it's an adjective about something. So when we say God is perfect, what does that mean? So it has to mean that he's perfect in terms of what? Existence. That God is a being that exists <coughs> who is perfect. Which means no limitations, no dependencies, no deficiencies. God is not limited in any way because then he wouldn't be perfect. He is certainly not dependent on anything else because he wouldn't be per- perfect because he's dependent. Right? And God is not deficient. There's nothing missing. Okay? But there's something else that that reveals. We can ask ourselves, how can a being be perfect? What does that mean? And the answer to that, <clears throat> and I hold this is what the Ramchal alludes to, is that when we say a being is perfect, there's only one type of being that can be perfect. And that is, if the being is existence per se. It was God, like I said last week, God doesn't have existence. He is <coughs> existence. And since he's poshut, that means he and his existence are identical. It's not that God has something else called existence and he has to have it. Like we, we have existence, all right? God is existence. In other words, he and his existence are synonymous. What a statement. And I mentioned last week that that, once we understand that God is existence, that answers many ideas. It answers why he's all-powerful, because that's what existence is. If you are it, you're anything you want. Why he knows everything? Because 
He gives rise to everything, and if he doesn't know it, it doesn't exist. You know, why he's omnipresent, why he's all over, because if he's not all over, then that place wouldn't exist, because <coughs> what gives it existence? You know what I'm saying? Uh, <coughs> also, the fact why he's Muchachamitzius, because since he is existence, what, what, where's he going to go? He can't kill himself, he can't remove his existence, that's him. So he's indestructible, but what's even more important, and now he's indestructible, right? There cannot be a non-existence of God. Uh, very important. That's the concept of Muhammad That he must be. There's no possibility that there is no God. It's an absolute. There must be. Therefore, there was no time that there was ever a time when he wasn't, and there will never be a time when he won't be. That's why he's eternal. Always was, will be, is, and will be. Uh, it also answers why he's an absolute one. Because there's only one thing called existence. There are many things that have existence. But existence itself, there's only one thing that has it. And therefore, that's why he's absolutely one. Very important idea. It answers many, many questions of the qualities of God by understanding that Poshet, that he and his existence are identical. <coughs> that was the second level. All that is called Poshet. And then answers why he's perfect. Because <clears throat> whatever there is to be had, he's it. Because the existence is everything that can exist. <clears throat> so that was the second level. And this is only the second level of Echod. Then I mentioned the third level of Echod. That not only is God externally one, not only is he internally one, he is also the only one. doesn't say there's nobody like God. It says, besides God, there is nothing else. Now, that is an incredible concept we cannot penetrate. That means we don't exist really like he does. I gave the example of a guy with a dream, that two people in a dream talking to each other, right? And one guy says to the other, we don't really exist. So the one guy says to him, we don't exist. I'm talking to you. He says, no, we don't exist like the guy sleeping. We're a figment of his imagination. If he gets up, we instantly disappear. <coughs> Not only that, even while he's sleeping, we don't exist like he does. He's real. <coughs> Whatever Maybe that means. Maybe there's another guy having a dream about the guy on the couch. Don't get too complicated. <laughs> right? That could be. Anyway, um, so he's real. We're not. But in other words, we have an existence relative to ourselves. But we don't really know what it is to be. It's almost like the only one who is really is whoever is existence itself. Whoever to have to be, whoever has to be given existence doesn't really exist, even after he was given existence. That is a mystery which we cannot even penetrate. Because if you penetrate, then you would realize you're non-existence. That's illogical. You understood why you don't exist, then how could you possibly think that you, where's the subject knowing this? There's no subject. So, and that's what the Bansham means, and we also find the Novi says that, when the Bansham says, Shinisi, I have never changed. I've never changed. There's you before the creation, and there's you after the creation, right? And the answer is no. There is no real creation. God never did a thing, really. But then, how do we understand? The whole Bria, we don't. So it's, they, it's a concept which is incomprehensible. So is Descartes, Negative Terror, I think, therefore I exist? No, well, okay, well, it, it, relatively speaking. 
mean, I think, right, in order to, thinking is an action, but in order to do the action, there has to be somebody doing the action. So obviously, if I think, I must be. That's what he's saying. But that's all relative. Look, as far as we're concerned, we exist. And that's the end of it. That's really the, I'm just bringing out what Eina Milvadoi means. Because it's an incredible statement. Milvadoi, besides God, Einoid. There's nothing else. And Rab Chaim Volozhin, in the Nefesh Chaim, says, Mamash. Literally, we do not exist. And the greatest mystery of all is we, and we cannot penetrate that. And that's, by the way, one of the reasons why the Torah begins with a base. <clears throat> Not an olive. <clears throat> because this, because as far as this creation is concerned, there will always be two beings. There's God, right? And that which he created, two, you see. There's always minimally two beings that will exist. He and his <coughs> creations. There's no, he's not an Aleph, because if it was an Aleph, he would be the only one that exists. And therefore, there would be nothing else. And that is the greatest of all mysteries that we cannot penetrate. How can any being that does not exist, massive existence, God, or even talk to God? It doesn't make sense. But whatever it is, that's the absolute truth. In Are you saying we don't exist because we're merely a, config- a configuration of the existence itself? Well, uh, uh, we don't exist like, you know, people get, people get caught up with this. Look, we don't exist like God. Let me keep it simple. We don't exist like God. He <clears throat> is because he exists itself. We don't exist at all like him. But the real truth is we don't exist at all. Whatever that means, really, you know. How God does that, how can I even talk to God or think about myself? We don't understand that. It's, it's, it's a mystery which is impenetrable, period. That, <laughs> and this was the Yesui, this was the major Gilu, your revelation of Sinai. After Horei Sunadas, you have been shown that you may know, and that was the major revelation at Sinai. <coughs> and that's what Rashi says, that he opened up the worlds and he showed everybody, he's the only thing that it is. Now what that means or what they understood, we don't know. But it was the greatest his gallows ever known that God imparted to the Jews at Har Sinai. They actually understood <coughs> how whatever a, a, a being that exists can understand they understood that truth because God revealed it to them. Obviously, He had to because, you know, such a such a truth needs to be displayed. You know, you can't just say it and walk away. You need to show it. You know, so they experienced that. So what what God did, which He did on purpose, <coughs> uh, He made every Jew an eyewitness to the presence of God, which is what He wanted to do. Two, at least two and a half million people. Each one became an independent eyewitness to the presence and the existence of God. And therefore, the, the tradition of Judaism is not one guy who was that, some kind of dream or message, whatever, began to tra- transmit his religion, which is true of every other religion. You talk about two, and minimally two and a half million people, each one was an independent witness that could start their own chain of historical 
validity. He told his kid, who told his kid, who told his No, it doesn't depend on anybody else. You know, it's like one guy spread the word. No. Each person who was there, he spread the word to his descendants. So each one of us, in a certain sense, is an independent line of eyewitness. You can't get a greater validity of Judaism than that. You know, so, and that's what the Russian wanted. To so clearly ascertain, or rather verify, that he is... He needed to display who he was, whatever that means, and that was it. Which is interesting, because the gilu that the Jews had of Enoid Mavadoi was as great as Moshe Rabbeinu, which is interesting. He had it only that one instant in time. Then they all died. They all ran back to them and said, you know, you can't take this, you know. So Moshe Rabbeinu simply continued that gilu to himself, because he was able to handle that. Everybody else died. But that deal that they had was the equal of Moshe Rabbeinu. <coughs> anyway. So they had to die, as you just explained, because they, to understand the Yichud, they had to die. There's no them. No, no, no. In order to understand the Yichud, they would have to non-exist. Right. That's exactly what happened. The, the death oh, is much easier than non-existence. No. Oh. They Moshe died because they die. couldn't Moshe tolerate. Didn't die. No, he was able to tolerate <coughs> that yeah. deal. That's because the reason for that, you know why? What kills a person? What kills a person, when a person dies, ultimately he separates from his physical, right? He separates from the physical body. So Moshe Rabbeinu anyway was half Ruchnius, he was half man, half God. So he didn't have to separate from, he, he already had taken his physical being and made it mostly Ruchnius. So what does he have to die for? But those people who are physical, in order for them to join God, they have to give up their bodies. So therefore they died. Wasn't the Anivus like he felt he was nothing? Who? Moshe. Yeah, that's a different... Well, that's a different. No, but that's, he was able to handle that because anyway he, he understood that... It no. His, why was Moshe Rabbeinu the greatest honor? Why? Because he had the greatest hasonga. Of that he's zero. <coughs> he says that. V'nachnu mo. What are we? You know, zero. You know. He was able to massacre that. He experienced the inner Mavada at whatever level. And therefore he said, what are we? His, his understanding of God apparently was greater than any of the others. <coughs> they say, Avraham Avinu said, But even offer V'efer, dust and ashes, is a yesh. It's something. You know, Dovra Melech said, I'm a worm. Okay, but even a worm is something. Moshe Rabbeinu said, what are we? Zero. You know, because he understood that we don't exist, really. You know, so all those people running around think there's somebody, boy, they're going to have a rude awakening one day, because right now, everybody thinks he's somebody, you know? Yeah, but that's a whole different concept, the illusion of causality. We all think we're causes. We actually do something. You need you know, to a zero. But you need something, because you need Shminisha Bishminis to be a town apart from each Shminisha Bishminis. Well, yeah, because if you don't have that, you, you, if I'm a zero, why am I doing anything? Or whatever I do is zero. Uh, so obviously I can feel this. Yeah, fine. But what I'm telling you is just the, the truth of the matter, not that we walk around feeling this way, and so on, you know. But that gives rise. So therefore, God is everything. And in a certain sense, he does everything. Because we don't exist to do anything, really. Yeah. I took a question. Um, in, in the Neshama, I want to understand that, and Tzimtzum, so where does Tzimtzum fit in? 
there's no creation. Well, hold that off. We now, I, I'm now talking about three different concepts of Echad. Yes? Three. He's externally one, he is internally one, and he's the only one. Is there a fourth level? Yes, there is. And this level, as far as I know, is the rock bottom of who God is. And it all starts off with this question. We know God created everything. He's a boyer. By the way, that's why he's a boyer, because if he's existence, he can give existence to anything he wants. That's why he's a boyer. We, we, we're not boyer because we're not in charge of existence. He is existence. But anyway, the question is this. Is there anything that God didn't create that coexisted with him? We know he was buried, Rejus Borolakim. Yes? But my question is, first of all, what did he create? If he created the form and didn't give it life, what does it mean? What, the, what did he what create? Mean? That's the question. Well, when God created, what did he create? So there are three things he created. <clears throat> okay? Let's do that first. First thing he created was all objects. No, first of all, concepts. Who? Concepts. I'm not going in the order of chronology. I'm just going in the order of what he did. He created all things, all objects. Atoms, protons, neutrons, objects, stars, whatever, whatever has a yesh he created. That's the first thing he created. Fine. I don't mean first chronologically, but that's one. Two, it's easy to understand. Number two, he created concepts. For instance, the concept of uh, justice. Now, there's no such thing as justice. It's a concept. It's an idea. Uh, it's an idea that we try to accommodate ourselves to. Oneness. Or live. He created oneness. Well, we'll see in a minute. He created, so therefore, he created a concept. If God didn't create the concept, you couldn't think about it. Because it doesn't exist. So even ideas were created by God. Have I got that? Which is interesting. That means we can only think about the concepts that he created. You see, if the God did not create a concept called justice, you could not think about it. And you certainly could not uh, d- demonstrate that through behavior. So that's the second thing he created. The third thing he created was what's called reality. He created what's called the laws of existence. And I mentioned what that was last week. He created, the, he created reality itself that operates according to certain laws. But what's also interesting is, wait a minute. <clears throat> what about the concept called existence or the phenomenon? Did God create existence? That's an interesting question. Sure, why not? No, it can't be. It's far from <clears throat> Well, we're immediately presented no, with this a terrible a problem here. It's a creation, why? The problem is, is if he created the concept called existence, right? He obviously existed before that. So then who in the world is he? We don't know. We don't... Wait, wait. As far as we're concerned, this most profound idea which pervades everything is this phenomenon or phenomena called existence. Okay. Did God create existence itself the phenomena, existence itself, or does existence coexist with him? 
that he is existence? No, that is the question. Of course, he did. Why, why such a question? Of course, it's possible he created. He has to create. But you, know, but you don't realize what the problem is that it, it, it creates. <clears throat> if existence itself is a created phenomenon, yes, then what's the alternative that he has? That means he's not existence itself. That's what it means. If he created it, and he was before it, that means we have to now change number two or number three and remove that. That he is not existence per se, right? Because he created it, so then the question is, what is he? We don't know of an alternative to existence. There's no alternative. Existence is the most basic idea of all. So if he created it, then what is he? We don't know an alternative to existence. So what's the problem? <clears throat> the problem is how could that possibly be? <clears throat> Yet, it says, we amitid amyuni, the eshver. The Roshim says, I think Yeshayas brings it down, we amitid amyuni, who are you going to compare me like? Who are you going to compare me like? To the eshver, and I will be compared to that. That means that there is nothing that you could say about God that he's compared to anything you could imagine. But wait a minute. Why can't we say that he exists? We exist. He exists. So then God can be compared. Then he has something in common with us. But that Pesach means that he doesn't have anything in common with us. Even the phenomenon of existence. But that would mean that existence, whatever it is, is a created entity. But then if that's the case... We, know, we don't know of an alternative to existence, then what is God? And the answer is, it's unknown. This is the problem. People think that the reason why we don't know who God is because he's infinite. That's wrong. Because Ramchal says God could have made us infinite also. But that's not why. The second reason why we... Uh, what, what, if, I don't know if people would think about that, but <clears throat> certainly the second reason why you do not know who God is is because everything has existence, God is existence, we don't know what that is. Even Malachim don't know what that is. That's the second problem. But even that's not the reason why we don't know who God is. The problem is that God has no idea, there is no idea that you could talk about that you could say He has. Because everything is a created entity. Everything. So in the end, you can't even say God has existence or God is existence. No. But then the question is, well, then what do I say about God? And the answer is, nothing. That's why Dovar HaMalach says, Veloi, and to him, Demiyo Tehilo, silence is praise. <laughs> <laughs> so that means from now on, when you're Davin Shmon Esrei, right? You just go. So the shul really should. However, it brings truth. It brings more truth to the Bashemtov story about the the, the the shepherd boy that came in just whistled. He just came in yeah, okay. and he didn't say he does. He said Shem, I don't know all things. No, that's I don't because know anything. And he just started whistling. And the Bashemtov said that was that that prayer was accepted, greater than the biggest talmud. No, that doesn't have to do with what I'm saying. That's because his form of prayer was a tune. And it was so sincere that Bunchman says, I don't care what the form of the prayer is. You really mean it, that you really want to talk to me. That's acceptable. 
That's not do with what I'm saying. In any case, <clears throat> this is the problem. The real reason, ultimately, why we don't know who he is, is because any idea that you could say, oh, he is or has that, is not true. It's created. And therefore, we don't know any alternative. We don't know any alternative. That's why, like the Ramchal says in this prayer, first prayer, the only one who knows who God is, is God. That's it. There is nobody that can possibly know who he is because any idea that they'll put together isn't him. And therefore, So existence is not him then? No, exactly. Now, wait. So what are we doing about last week's? Oh, so all last week sounds like whatever I... It's, it's oh, but see it? So it's what did This is a presentation. What? He created his presentation. Well, what the Bosham did, therefore, is he created what's called a being that represents him. Which is a created being. Yes, it's a created entity. The name of that being is Ein Soif. Ein Soif. That's what the Ein Soif is. The Ein Soif isn't God. The Ein Soif is the being, whatever that is, that he created, and that represents him. As far as we're concerned, we can only connect. In other words, God is what's called transcendental. He transcends anything, and he's also imminent. That's the famous philosophical, you know? So what the Bosham did first, the first act he did, is he created what's called existence itself. The phenomena itself is created. And that's a being in itself. It's an Ein Sof, You know, and that represents him. Well, Ein Sof is existence. Yes, <laughs> that's right. It's being itself. What yeah. do you mean you saw the horizon? Uh, Wait, that's later on. That's later on. So what did Rosham do? He created a bubble, so to speak, metaphorically. And in that bubble, which is outside of him, he created everything in that bubble, you see. So the first thing that the Bosham creates is Ein Sof, and that represents him. So Ein Sof is existence itself. It's perfect. And then from that perfect being begins to devolve everything else. Like I said, the problem with that perfect being is that it's Ein Vadoi. Existence, perfect existence, doesn't allow for the existence of anything else because then it wouldn't be perfect because you, it cannot invade your space. You know, it's limited. The existence of any other entity besides a perfect being would limit the perfect being, but then it's not perfect. So therefore, the concept of an enable vadoi is a concept that is a nivro itself that applies to this perfect being called the Ainsoif. But there is Mubadah, there's the Ein Soif, and then there's God. Then what that being has to do with Ein Soif, it has to mitzamsim itself, which means in some way it has to limit its presence, and thereby allow the concept of a Zulosoi, an other, to exist. That Ein Soif is not perfect, because it's a Nivra. A Nivra can't be perfect. It's existence. But there is God... God is not perfect. No concept of perfection no. is also a concept. Perfection is a nivro. It's a created idea. But how could that You cannot apply any idea to God. What? Because what God did is created a concept called perfection. And the only being that has that concept embedded is the answer. 
Yeah, but there's something else other than the Ain't Sof. There's God. But the God is not perfect. Perfection is a created idea. But God exists, right? We can't say that. He, of course, he exists. As far he exists. But he doesn't exist in terms of existence. He exists in some other. But way. it's not the same thing we're familiar with. Ex- being that his existing is different, so it doesn't limit the insight. He exists in a different way, so it, does, it, 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 it doesn't limit the insight. It's not that. You need to grasp this. Are you? Is Rebbe trying to say that whatever we, whatever concept we can think of, it's, he's beyond that? He's exactly. He transcends any concept that you call. Not that he's not it, but he's, he's not that he's not. Solution not means less. He's he's, he's not what we are. What he is, we don't know. You know, I want to tell you something. If you ever want, you know what a one-dimensional being is. Does everybody know what a one-dimensional is? We live in three dimensions, right? Length, width, and height, or depth, yes? What's a one-dimensional being? A one-dimensional being is a line. A two-dimensional being is a line, a length, and width, a shadow. A shadow is a two-dimensional being, yes? Right? Uh, Okay, so can a two-dimensional being, imagine if the world was shadows, right? Whatever that is, right? Imagine you only have length and width and you have no depth. That means you can't go past each other. You gotta go around, right? Because there's no depth. You can't go up. There's no up, right? Now, got that? It's very interesting. So what? <laughs> Imagine the world is two-dimensional, which means it's a world of shadows, right? There's no depth. There's just length and width. So they can't go past each other because there's no depth. You can't go over it, right? So in order to go around this guy, you go like here, like that, right? Just imagine a shadow world, right? Checkers. And all of a sudden, a three-dimensional being looks down at the shadow world. Now, they, they cannot see him because they can't look up. There's no up. Yes, there's no up. <laughs> so they came up. How do they know, the, how do they know that of the existence of a three-dimensional being? Because he intersects with their world. So they see this interest, they see this, this two-dimensional object, you know, whatever the guy is, but they can't look up or down, there's no depth, right? So they have no idea what this being is. They just see some type of a, some type of a presence that intersects their dimensions. You know what I'm saying? They can't massacre a three-dimensional being. Yet the three-dimensional, I'm giving you an example, you know, you want to talk about realities, right? Uh, realities, right? So this three-dimensional being uh, you know, uh, imagine a, a, a shadow has a safe that he keeps his jewelry in. So his jewelry is two-dimensional, and a safe, you know, is like that, right? He puts it in, right? It, then he closes his door. Remember, there's no depth, right? right? And he thinks it's everything. And then, you know, this three-dimensional being, he looks right down into, into the safe because he's got depth, and they don't have depth. You see? Now, so can this three-dimensional being explain to the two-dimensional being, what I am? No. And what you're talking about? You know, he only knows length and width. He doesn't know anything called depth. He, he can't comprehend depth. Like us, if there would be four or five So therefore, I'm telling you, I'm giving you a, a metaphor. I'm giving you a muscle. Imagine a world where there's only one-dimensional beings. There's just length. There's no depth or width. Imagine that kind of a world, you know what I'm saying? So with, they cannot comprehend the two-dimensional being. 
a two-dimensional being cannot comprehend a three-dimensional being, yet a three-dimensional being is who we are. We have no problem comprehending a three-dimensional being, because we're it. But shadows cannot comprehend us. Got that? So here comes the Kalvachoyma. Madoch. Now, can we comprehend a fourth or a fifth or a seventh <coughs> or eighth dimensional beings? Of course not. We don't know how to, how to expand, in what way, which way. There's only three ways you can extend. You know, where are they going? You know what I'm saying? Yet science, string theory, recognizes that there are at least ten dimensions. We've never, we can't even comprehend how do they stretch. Where do they stretch into? We don't know. Yet physics recognizes the concept of ten dimensions, or maybe eleven. How does that sound? It's weird. Wild. Sounds real wild. Yet that is an officially uh, recognized theory called string theory. Without getting into string theory. <laughs> Science re- is okay. In fact, there's a whole mathematics for higher dimensions. You know what I'm saying? There's a whole mathematics for this. Which I'm sure you can test why yes, Not just mathematics, physics. So. Well, physics, huh? Not, not just mathematics, physics. Yeah, no, I'm just saying that you're and therefore physics and so on. So therefore, if we can't even understand, if a two-dimensional being cannot even understand a three-dimensional being, right? How do we understand a being that's dimensionless? He created dimension. He created dimensions. He doesn't exist in dimensions. <coughs> so, <coughs> what does that mean? Forget about that God doesn't exist like us. We don't even know, even if God had existence, we have no comprehension of what that is. Look, God does not, I remember telling you, I told you, God does not exist in time. I don't know what that means. Doesn't exist in space. I don't know what that means either. So he doesn't extend in any which way. You know what I'm saying? God is not matter. He's not energy. What are we talking about here? You see? So all I'm doing is now carrying these incomprehensible concepts one step further. That not only is it that no time and no space, and there's no matter, etc., etc., okay? Why is God eternal? Not because he exists in time and he lives forever. He's, he's timeless. There's no time for him. So with him, there's no past, present, or future. But we don't know what that means. What do you mean, no time? I don't know what that means. I know by me, as far as I'm concerned, there was a past, there's a present now, and there will be a future, we hope, right? So, but he's not this. So I'm just showing you that we don't even understand what he is, mitzad, the, what's called the constants that we live in, or whatever that is, and so on, you know? But I'm, I'm now adding in a, 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 a further difficulty, is that not only doesn't God share the qualities of our existence, and so on, he's not in our existence at all, he doesn't have existence, but the problem is we don't know an alternative. As far as we know, if you don't have existence, you don't exist. But it's not true, you see. And it's interesting that it's how the Bosham is megalodous slowly. Because we now see electrons that pop out of nowhere into existence and they disappear into non-existence. And nobody understands what's going on. It's quantum mechanics. And with subatomic particles, all of a sudden, there's nothing there and there they are. Like, where did it come from? Nobody knows. And all of a sudden, it disappears. Where did it go? Nobody knows. Even the physical universe is now coming up against objects that seemingly don't exist. Yet, how can they pop into existence? 
The quantum mechanical world is a world you've never seen. It is so weird, it's unbelievable. As far as they're concerned, an electron doesn't exist unless you're looking at it. I, I don't want to go through the, the incredible craziness of that world. You know, the electron only exists as a potential, but it doesn't exist until you look at it. If you don't look at it, it doesn't exist. I don't, it's a whole theory, you know. But yet, quantum mechanics is the greatest theory in the 21st century, 20th century, because it's never been disproven. It, it answers everything. Uh, so physicists are now coming, they're banging their head against what's called the laws of reality. This is not reality. At a subatomic level, there's no reality here. Okay, so therefore, the motion is the same thing. Uh, do not think that any word you can apply to anything applies to God. It doesn't. So what the Rosham did is he created a bubble. In that bubble, he creates everything. The objects, the concepts, the whole concept of existence, reality, the laws of reality, it's all, so to speak, in that bubble. He is outside the bubble, which means it's impossible to go beyond the bubble. You know what it's like? It's like, a, imagine a guy who's blind, and they found a cure. He has to wear a certain type of eyeglasses, but the eyeglasses are red. And there's no other way to make those eyeglasses. So every time he puts on the eyeglasses, oh, he sees, but it's a red reality. Everything looks red. He's not tired of this business, you know? So he takes it off, but then he can't see. It's the same thing. The only way we could see or talk about God or anything is in the reality he created the bubble. And God created the billions and billions of different things, ideas, and so on in that bubble. You cannot ask anything about outside the bubble. You see, now, from that we can begin to understand certain very important ideas. Wait. Is that pocket or... Which? The insult is that pocket? It's in the bubble. Yes. It's not the bubble? No, it is in the bubble. In the bubble means it's created. So what's the bubble? I don't care if the bubble is ain't so for in the bubble. In the end, it's a nivra. That's the main thing that concerns us, right? The being called God, whatever that means, is outside the bubble. Therefore, God is incomprehensible. Because any idea that you have is a bubble idea. Now, this tells us a very interesting thing. So what did Bansham do? What is Bansham capable of doing? Now, you want to talk about power. Listen to the power of God. The Bansham can, and maybe he did, we do not know. He could have created an infinite variety, an infinite amount of bubbles. Each one having a total creation in it, never duplicating any other bubble. Imagine, there's a thousand different creations. Each one is its own bubble, yet any individual bubble doesn't in any way duplicate any concept or idea or anything in another bubble. That means there's a thousand different creations, none of them which duplicated at all. That's, that's, that's incredible. You know, like, like, how does God do it? You know, where does he get the ideas from? <laughs> <laughs> You know, if you think about it, take a painter. What is a painter? A painter doesn't create something that's non-existent. He creates something that exists, except he represents it on a canvas. But whatever's on the canvas exists, he's experienced or whatever, you know? Or a musician. A musician knows, has notes. 
You know, so music is nothing more than different combinations of sequences of notes or frequencies. That's really what it is, right? That's all it is. But if the musician, if a guy never heard music in his life, he can't make a composition of music. He doesn't know what it is. The question is, how does God make a bria without any experiencing at all of anything that he made? Not only that, as far as we know, maybe he created the infinite variety of brias. We'll never know. How can he create a second one if there's no second, there's no two? There's no... You know, whatever the word is. So let me ask this question. Is there anything now, in the bubble at all, anything in the bubble at all that is uh, uh, a in God's image, the way a parent would pass something on the children, or yes. is it purely... No, you need, no, no, you, you need, wait, I, I did, you need to wait. This is the baseline. The first thing the Bersham did, okay, so the question is, this God, and that's it. Now, what's the first thing he did, and even that is a bubble idea, but whatever, right? What's the first thing they do? The first thing the Bersham does is he creates a Bria. That's number one, okay? We don't know why. Beyond us, we have no idea what the motive is and so on. But what's interesting is that he creates a document. That document contains everything in that bubble, but not everything God did. What's the name of that document? Who? Torah. That's what Torah really is. What Torah is, it's a document that contains in it, in many, many different ways, Gematius, Nurmikins, and, and there's Atbash, and, and Avgad, and all the, all the different ways of revealing information. He creates a document, so to speak, okay, that is the totality of the entire bubble. What is the information recorded? What is interesting, what? What is the information recorded? I mean, what... Oh, forget about how. Forget about how for a minute, right? There's a document. That's what it means by <coughs> The first thing the Bershom created was a document, whatever that means. There's a Ruchmistic aspect to that document. We know it as a scroll, but Torah is much more than a scroll, whatever. However the concepts exist. There is some type of container document that contains or records everything in the bubble. Everything. It's a totality of this reality, right? However, the Torah doesn't tell us everything God did. The Torah itself is a nivra. The Torah is a document that reflects the Bria, right? Everything in the Bria. But the Torah itself is a nivra. It's created entity. In other words, the Torah is a simultaneous creation with everything else. But maybe God did many other things that are not in the Torah because the Torah doesn't describe the total acts of God. It just describes this bubble. I want to show you that the Torah itself has a limit. In other words, there could be many terrorists, so to speak, yet the terror is only a description of this reality, not of all the things God did. You see, that's the first very important idea. But terror, as far as we know, is everything. It is everything that we ever want to know, and so on. It talks about what reality is, what the reality is, all the ideas, the objects, what the reality is, the concept of existence, the spheres, all that, Kabbalah, you name it. It's all in that bubble. And the Torah has all of it in it as a document. 
Okay? Uh, so as far as we know, that's the reality we deal with, and that is the reality we will go on forever knowing. Olam Haba is the experiencing of the total reality in bits and pieces. Whether it is in time or not, there is an eternity. It takes an eternity, which means endless, to experience the bubble. That's what the bubble has, okay? Outside the bubble is unknown to us and, and, and actually irrelevant to us, and so on, you know? But do not think that God is limited by his Torah. God is larger than his Torah. He's greater. Remember, because I'm trying to show you the Gedder here, and so on, you know? Now, as far as I'm concerned, which is very interesting, the first thing that the Bonsham created, which is interesting, I mentioned this two weeks ago, three weeks ago. The first thing that God created is the underlying concept of the entire bubble. There is one word that underlies the fundamental structure of the entire bubble. What? Toiv. The concept called toiv. <coughs> now, we don't know what toiv is. We know it when we have an idea. Toiv means, well, it's pleasant, it's good, it's great, etc. But toiv is the fundamental concept that determines the type of bubble we have. That's why it's when it says the remnants to that, that when it says, the Roshim says, What does that mean? That what the Roshim is saying, that what I just did conforms to Toiv Mo'id. Very good. Which means that the original concept was Toiv. Because this is just an affirmation that whatever I did conforms to that. When it conforms to that. So that has to mean that this was the beginning concept. That's why when Ramchal starts to talk about the whole purpose of the Bria, he calls it Hatova Shlema. Hatova Shlema. Whatever Toiv is. So the first thing that the Rishonim creates is Toiv. Now, the greatest Toiv that we know, right? So Toiv is the beginning. What's the second thing God creates? Torah. Well, okay, let's, let's say it's Torah. What's the greatest creation of this reality? The reality of Torah. Existence. Existence itself, yes. Existence conforms to the word Torah, and I'm sure it is. The worst thing, the worst thing that can happen to a person is non-existence. Think about that. The greatest thing God ever did to you was he gave you existence. The worst thing he could do for you is to take it away. There's nothing that equals in, its, in, in, in terms of Ra to be non-existence. Doesn't you know? say that the Tov is better, um, better for a person that has an existence? That they had a whole about it better for... No, that, that's different. That's not like should we have been born or not. Uh, therefore, <clears throat> existence itself is the greatest toiv of all, and therefore, the fabric of the universe is toiv, or existence. Toiv out of the bubble? What? Toiv out of the bubble? No, it's in the bubble. It's the beginning of the bubble. That concept of toiv, 
which translates itself into being or existence is the beginning of the bubble. And then everything just follows. Therefore, if that's the case, if that's the case, we arrive at a very important idea. If toiv is the first concept, one, and by the way, it says toiv ma'oid, yes? Ma'oid is the oasis of? Adam. Adam. Yes. <coughs> we think an Adam is us. <coughs> but Ramchal is a murdered zach. If you ask yourself, <coughs> what is the plan of the Bria? What does it conform to? The answer is Adam. The Bria is called an Adam. Ramchal says that. that in, everything in creation is called or part of Adam. But it doesn't mean us. We look like that Adam. What the Moshim did is he created a physical being, us, that actually is a model of this <coughs> transcendental concept called man. We look like a man. Okay? It means we're not getting into that yet, right? What the Moshim did is he created a Bria that's called Adam, man. Okay? <coughs> what determines the concept of man is the concept of toiv. So Toiv gives rise to existence, and existence in a certain sense is called man. We ultimately look like that man physically, we resemble that, okay? Which is interesting. So if that's the concept, what arises is a very interesting idea. If the greatest Toiv of all is existence, yes? <clears throat> if the Russian would say to you, what can I give you that you would like? What would you say? Yeah, a lot of people say, well, you know, give me a beer. You know, or some other pleasure or whatever. But the truth is, well, I won't go there yet. But the truth is, what you would say is, I want to exist forever. Because that's the greatest thing you can do for me. Forget about the quality of existence. Right? The most important thing is to be forever. Being is the greatest gift. So that's the case. We can now understand, which I had mentioned, what, do you, what happens in Elam Habo? Let's connect it. What happens in Elam Habo? Now, it's a world, it's a dimension, we don't know what it is, and so on and so forth, you know. But in a certain sense, we can know what it is. There, everything in the universe has degree or quantity. Uh, everything in the universe has what's called quantity or degree. There's always a certain amount of something. I don't care what it is. There's only one thing that does not have quantity. It has no quantity. It has no, it has no uh, uh, degree. What is it? The concept called existence. It has no quantity. Being, you either be or you ain't, as they say. There's no middle. You can't exist more. You can't exist less. To exist less means you don't exist. You see, to exist more simply means to be. Existence itself has no degree. It has no quantity. Okay? But what happens if I told you that Oilam Habu is a place in which existence has degrees? Be interesting. Now, we don't know what that means. We don't, what do you mean to exist more? 
You either exist or you don't exist, right? But what happens if I told you that there was a dimension that you actually exist more, whatever that means? And therefore, that. what? You can understand that there's a person that's healthy, a person that's, uh, that's sick. Uh, in a certain sense, yes. You know, like well-being, right? Well-being. Sometimes you feel phenomenal, you know? So it's not that you exist more, somehow reality is more and so on. But it's not literally a, a, a more existence. It's just all of a sudden the quality of existence is incredible. Quality, yeah. If you experience that with degrees but of what consciousness. But what happened? What? If you experience that with degrees of consciousness. A person who is fully, he, he had a great sleep and he you know, was well rested and he gets to sleep, has a well, feeling of well being. The person who had a bad, a bad night, he's all tired and he's out of sorts, you know, he's sort of spaced out and he doesn't really feel he's living. <clears throat> Okay, you can look at it that way. You can look at it that way, you know, how alert is he? You know? But in any case, <coughs> it's a, there's a very interesting chazal. Chazal say the following. Kolma, everything that the prophets prophesied was about Yemoysa Mashiach, about the Messianic era. But Masha, soften the tzaddikim, what is concealed for the righteous. I know you the eye has never been held. Okay? That means nobody knows what goes on in Oedem Habo. Nobody. That world dimension has never been revealed. Shh. Has never been revealed. But the question is, even if it's never been revealed, which means I have, nobody has ever experienced it, the question is, can it be understood? Which is interesting. It doesn't say Moyach Maven. The mind cannot comprehend. It is I know you are, so the eye has never beheld. What's the difference? It's interesting. Russian. Chazal don't don't say that you can't understand Oydim Habo. They said we've never seen it, which means that I can understand it, but I've never seen it. I've never experienced it. You know what I'm saying? I know what it is. I've never seen it in the sense that to experience it. You see. But maybe I could understand it. Therefore, if we now understand that the ultimate toiv of the Bria is being, greatest toiv of all, then Olam Habo, which is Hatova Shlema, would be a place that you could actually exist more, which we don't understand, but it sounds incredible. That means and it's not only you exist more, there's an infinite levels of existence more and more. Every day, so to speak, in Oilam Habo, the next day you wake up, you exist more. And the next day, you exist more. Which has to be some incredibly sublime experience. You see. So it would make sense. It would all fit. Uh, there's something I don't understand about existence. Existence is the biggest toy, but me myself, just the fact that I exist, doesn't make me the happy. The, doesn't doesn't give me the biggest feeling possible in the world. Yes, correct. So yeah. how is what I'm about difference in that sense? Well, whatever stops you from enjoying your existence, right? The problem, part of the problem, is this: even though we exist at least in relative to ourselves, correct? 
you struggle for existence all the time. When we, because we are mortal, we're always anxious. You know, every second of the day, even though you're not aware of it, every existing being is always deathly afraid of his non-existence. From microsecond to microsecond. Even though we don't think about it consciously, but in the back of the unconscious mind, the greatest fear that anybody has is his non-existence. Not that? That's why the greatest psychological drive of all, and it is the determinant of all psychological problems, is called self-preservation. <clears throat> the greatest fear we have is our non-existence. And there's nothing we can do about it. It's implanted now, unconscious. Because at any given instant, a person is gone. And we're always afraid of that. Therefore, what we are always involved with, all the time, is making sure we exist. You see? So therefore, <clears throat> if there's always an anxiety about existence, you never feel the pleasure of existence. Because you always worry about its immediate non-existence. Death is you see what I'm saying? Not <clears throat> Let me tell you something. As far as we're concerned, death is non-existence. Period. Of course we have a muna that this is not the only one. We have a muna with maminim, that is only mabo, etc., etc. But in the end, you know what I'm saying? Yes, exactly. Now, I don't understand the whole concept that non-existence is so bad. I mean, you only, you only want to exist more once you exist. I want to tell you something. The one, there's no feeling, there's no nothing, nothing exists. Well, guy, then, I want to tell you something. That's If he's totally nothing, there's nothing left to him, Wait. then he's not sad, he has no issues. He has no... <laughs> I want to tell you something. The greatest fear a person has that he will non-exist yeah. is when he has to write out a check to his mortgage company. <laughs> I want to tell you something. That's what he doesn't want to exist. You know, I, you know I, I tell you, whether you like it or not, there's, it, it's built in there's, that the Bonshin built this into our unconscious. We're always concerned about our possible non-existence. You know, we can overcome that. In fact, man is the only creature besides the lemmings that can commit suicide. No animal is capable of suicide. Why? Because in, in immediately there's always the self-preservation instinct. It's the greatest instinct of all, it's the most fundamental. A man can overcome his fear, but he's still afraid. Don't get you. Every guy who jumps off the roof is frightened. But he can jump off the roof. You know, he goes to the roof and he says, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. <laughs> but they'll never do it again. They'll never do it, yeah. If, he, if he's given a chance. I remember there was a story where a woman jumped off the Empire State Building. You know? It was incredible. That's 102 floors, you know? You know? And all of a sudden, it was, you know, a wind. Because up there there's very high winds. High, right? A wind blew right against the building and there was an open window and blew right into the open window. <laughs> it was like, it was like, 
<laughs> it's like, wow, it's like, what? A real bad luck. It's, it's a joke with happened. It was a true story. It's I like, it was like stunning. How long ago? I don't know, it was years ago. I once read this. It was like, you couldn't believe it, you know? I, and I don't even know. No, I don't think so. I mean, how could you not read that message? I mean, it's like unbelievable. Never, like, maybe once in a billion years it happens, you know? A wind just blew into an open window. If it wasn't open, she would have just banged and just gone down, you know? I don't remember what floor it was on. You know, but you imagine somebody coming down, he's on the 78th floor, and they see the ground rushing up, and that's it, right? And that wind just blew. Anyway, but I want to say something. A man can overcome his fear, but he can't get rid of it. Yeah. It's face. Exist, what's the fear? What's that? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. If he's not going to cease to exist, yeah. what is he afraid of? That he's losing existence. He won't even know that he doesn't exist. He won't be. I want to tell you something. Maybe the fear is based because he knows that there is existence after No, no. We are. Why we. If you lose your job, yes? There's a pachat. What are you afraid of? No, because you Worse exist the thing, in a wait, bad state. But if you don't exist at all, but if, 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 wait, wait, wait. If a guy... States, now, everything is... Why are people so depressed when they lose their job? Because they, they can die. I mean, today you can't do that because you have welfare and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if you lived 400 years ago, you know what I'm saying? You didn't need... You were finished, you know? Then that's it. So what's a guy going to say? Well, what's wrong with non-existence? I mean, he's not going to say that. There's a, you can't... It's inborn. The Russian made it inborn. It's genetic. You cannot erase that fear. You can contend with it. Yeah. But you cannot erase it. Or else everybody would commit suicide. I want to tell you something. If everybody had a button on him that it said, you know, when things get too tough, press me. It would be interesting to declare. And let's assume there would be no pain. No pain. You know, it's like, you know, you don't take... You know, instantly you evaporate, right? I wonder how many guys would press the button. You know, it would be a very interesting experiment to see how many guys. I think in any given day, millions of people would just read it. You know? What was that? Who? Lemons are instinctive, yeah. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing, no. No, they don't know what they're doing. They just run to the sea. So why should put them into the world so that there is a Muslim that you can do that? They're the only, as far as I know, the only animals in existence that can commit suicide. An animal cannot commit suicide. Because it can't overcome its fear. But anyway. Why would an animal want to commit suicide? Only people get depressed because they want more and more. Animal but like animals that. fear. Animals fear when you smell lion. Yeah, he has another uh, anyway. suicide. An Arab. <laughs> An Arab? Because here's the vote. How do guys, how do I, suicide bombers, how do they do it? And the answer is because, you know who's waiting for them, right? Because they are so convinced that there's another reality, you know? And in that reality, it's going to be just beyond belief. And all the women, whatever these guys got, kind of with such stuff, you know? It's, you know, it's a lot of, jo- a lot of uh, jokes about this, but I don't really get into that, you know? But, uh, but um, so they... If you're convinced that there's another reality immediately after this, and that reality is just beyond belief, like I say, you, it's possible to contend. But when the guy is about to pull the rope and blow himself to bits, there has to be an immediately surge of fear. 
It has to be. Except he can overcome it. That's it, you know. But it, you know what I'm saying? The, 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 when you face death, in fact, that's the major kapara. When you face death, when death is imminent, you know, you immediately fear. There's nowhere to stop it, you know. That's it. You can overcome it, you know. And one of the ways is by believing there's an afterlife, right? And that you will be getting an incredible afterlife, which is what they have to tell them. Yeah, Allah and all the time, you know. That's what they believe. That's why they can do it. But what I'm saying is, therefore, if we see this, we now understand that the Bosham is beyond the bubble. No idea that you can apply, talk about, applies to him. However, Torah is the first thing created, and the essence of Torah is Torah, and that gives rise to everything beyond that. Now, I do want to say this. Now, the problem then is, okay, how do we relate to a being that's beyond the bubble? How do you relate to that? So what the Barsham did the following. He created a representation that you relate to. And as far as you're concerned, that's him. Forget about how he connects to that representation. That's not for us. What is the representation called? And, well, it's not even that. We, we relate to God. We experience God. I mean, Ruch HaKodesh, Nevoah, whatever you want to call, as far as we're concerned, that's God. What is that called? It was that representation, and it's not him per se, but as far as we're concerned, that's him, right? What's that called? That is called the Shekhinah, from the word Shochan, to dwell. What the Bosham did is, you have to connect to something, you know, so what he did is he created within the bubble a representation that as far as we're concerned can do everything it wants. So that's the Shekhinah. So is the Shekhinah God? No. However, as far as we're concerned, that's God. That's it. You know, and, and therefore, but not only the Shekhinah, God, as far as we're concerned, the Shekhinah has everything you'd ever want a being to have. It has everything. It can give you existence because... The Ain't is not the Shekhinah? No, well, theoretically, the Ain't Soif is not the Shekhinah because it's not Shochan. It cannot dwell amongst us because it's Ain't Mavadoi. The concept of Ain't Mavadoi applies to the Ain't Soif. Because it's perfect, its existence per se. But it, what it does is it mitzams him itself, it creates what's called a, an absence of itself, and that allows the potential of zulosoi, other. In that other, right, a, a, the, the, there's a shechina that's created, whatever, it evolves from the Ein Soif, whatever, and so on and so forth. But ultimately speaking, there's an other created, and then within that other, there's an entire series of events, which is all part of Kabbalah, that creates, at, it's a, it's a ishtalshlus, it's a whole different level of evolution. First you create the spheres, you have the Yishima and, and the spheres and so on and so forth. And those spheres, which is, as far as we're concerned, elokus, that is divinity, the spheres, they then create the Nishama, whatever, and then they create all the universes and so on. Where's the Shekhinah coming? Theoretically, the Shrina, the one that we experience, is the lowest, is called Malchus. From the spheres. From the spheres, yes. Um, but the Shrina really can be experienced. But the Shrina is even the highest sphere. It's also Shrina, but we don't experience them now. When we, in, in the future, Olam Haba, is we will experience the Shrina not at the level of Malchus of Olam Asiyah, which is the lowest, 
the minimal for, uh, ex- experience, we will experience God, so to speak, from the highest level, which is called Adam Habra, which is called Adam Kadmain, primordial man. That's the Adam that the whole Bria looks like. He looked like Adam Kadmain, primordial man, and so on. So ultimately speaking, we can experience Shechina at a level here, but we cannot explain, like show me your glory. Okay. So the Bansham said, a person cannot, what, see me, which means to experience me and live. Means I will be able to be experienced greater, but not while you're alive. You gotta wait, you know? So in a certain sense, it's like experiencing a being, imagine seeing God, right? You could see him through one lens, or there could be 300 lenses between you and God, thereby distorting the image of God. Same idea. The experience of God is reduced by the filters that reduce the ability to experience God, right? So at the level of Ulam Hazer, you can only experience God at a certain level. It cannot go higher. The greatest level of experiencing the Rabbanishram, okay, here is Nevoah. That's it. The greatest Novi was Mashabainu. So in a certain sense, Moshe Rabbeinu had the greatest experience in Ilm Hazer of any of us, except only one time where everybody experienced Moshe Rabbeinu's Nebuah, and that's when Matan Torah gave two mitzvahs. Whatever. What? It says that Moshe experienced face to face. Yes. So that's a limited concept, also. That of course it's limited. Well, he told Moshe Rabbeinu, "You're on There it is. That that tells the limitation, right? I mean, he told Moshe, "You can't do it." So clearly, face-to-face is a billion miles away from lo yirani You see that automatically. So what I'm saying is that we experience God in terms of Shekhinah, but the Shekhinah has a filter to it. So right now, the max that you can experience of this is, is what's called the Shekhinah of Moshua Benu, Ponim That's it. That's the max. Okay? Everything else... Now, but however, after the world ends... Correct? We will experience the Bershom at different levels. We have Oilmasia, which is the one level, the ground level, so to speak. One floor up, we will experience God, Shekhinah, as Oilmasia, which is what the Malachim do. Their experience of God is billions of way ahead of us because it's not Geshem, it's not Oilm, it's not a world of physicality, it's a world of spirituality, true spirituality. So, therefore, their experiencing of God is way beyond us. <coughs> but even they are billions of miles away from the beings that inhabit Bria. And so on. <clears throat> Once you've broken past those three worlds, okay, and into Atsilas, but the main thing is to get up into the greatest world, which is called Primordial Man, Odom Kadmon, and there the experience of God is Ayinu But what I'm trying to say simply is that we do experience God. But the Shekhinah is not God in whoever he is. Because that's a transcendental being. And so on and so forth. But as far as we're concerned, it doesn't make a difference. We experience the Shekhinah. And that's the greatest experience of all. Because the experiencing of the Shekhinah in its totality is variations of existence itself. In fact, that's what Vekas is. When you're Dovik, what are you Dovik in? 
What, what exactly occurs in the Ilum Habor? Fakus. Yes? Fakus. Uboi Sidbak. Right? Vekus. Vekus to who? To God. What God? To Roshim, to Shekhinah. What Shekhinah? The Ainsof. And if the Ainsof is pure existence, that's how you experience greater levels of existence. Because you are dovic to a being that is existence itself, which is perfect, you see. And therefore, we don't know what that is, but the greatest pleasure of all is existence, you see. Shekhinah is, is the Ainsof? No, you said The Ainsof is the Shekhinah at the highest level. And then we experience it filtered through all the spheres. Yeah, it's all filtered, yeah, but we will never experience Ainsof as Ainsof. Because even that you can't, because that's Ainsof Novadoi. So we'll get right up to so it. So we'll get it. Well, so what's interesting uh, is that is that the experiencing of Ein Soif, as Ein Soif is in Odom Kadmoy, that world is eternal, which is incredible. That means you can experience God eternally and grow. Like it says that Sadikim have no menuchin or ilam habo. What does that mean? They have no menucha? Well, you thought it was when you get there, you have menucha. No. Nucha means that there's no, there's no concept of stationary. You're always moving up more, more, and that goes on for all, for eternally. So, Adam Kadmoin is a world, so to speak, where you experience Ein Soif insofar as Adam Kadmoin, not Ein Soif, but you're getting closer and closer and closer, but that climb in Adam Kadmoin, primordial man, which is Adam Habo, it's really what it is, is eternal. That itself is an eternal climb, which is astounding to us, right? So the, we, we do connect with God. However, it, it, we only connect with God insofar as He will allow us to experience Him, you see. So our experience will alter. I want to tell you something. You know, forget about Odin Kadmon. When the Mashiach comes, which is here, in Oedem Hazer, it's a dimension of Oedem Hazer, right? When the Mashiach comes, we will experience God in a way we cannot even comprehend. We cannot even comprehend an era in the physical world. <clears throat> we don't know what that means. Yet that is infinitely less, infinitely less than what is experienced in Ulum Habo or the Do you believe this? So we don't even have to wait for the good times to start, as they say. The good times to start immediately will mean when the Mashiach ben David arrives. Well, actually, even begins by ben Yosef. But certainly when ben David arrives, okay, uh, we will begin to experience that, and so on. In other words, the, the whole, what is Mola Oradzdeya? You know, what does it mean? Kimola Oradzdeya, the world will be filled with the knowledge of God, right? As the waters covers the seabed. Right? What does that mean? What it means is that that's what you'll experience. You will experience the Shekhinah and the knowledge that it says that the world will be filled with, filled with the knowledge of God means that the conduit to that information is the experience of the Shekhinah in Yemoysa Mashiach. So, and we're very near that. We're very near to Yemoysa Mashiach. And so and so, it's almost frightening how close we are. But the main idea is that once Mashiach comes, you experience God in a way which leaves everything else in the dust. And this is messianic. This is physical universe. 
what will be after the physical universe in the beginning of 6,000, which is the English year 2240, I, we, we cannot even comprehend. And that itself takes 3,000 years until you get up to the 10,000th year, which is Oilum Habo, and then Aino Ruasso. And it goes on forever, you see. So this is really what it's all about. But all of this, as you see, has been derived from what? From the study of the fourth dimension of God, which is that the Amitidam Yuni. Who are you going to compare me to? The Eshver. There is no commonality between you and me. Once we understand that, then we understand what God, what God has created in terms of representation. Echod, Yochad, and Yuchad, the three Echods. So even Enel Movado is a Nivra. That's the incredible concept of all this. Uh, what I've given is very abstract, but I think in a certain sense it's very comprehensive because it really gives you a handle, totally, at least an outline of what's really happening in song. Uh, and this really is what we look forward to. Remember, there's only one thing that has any meaning. Everything else is irrelevant. And that is to be existence. It's the greatest gift of all that is toyed. Non-existence is the greatest evil in that sense, right? And toyed, which is existence itself, we can only experience because we are dovok to the Ain't in that sense, to the Shekhinah, whose essence is existence itself. And that will vary degree after degree, eternally in Olam Habo. So, the three words that describes the ultimate uh, experience of man is eternal, is infinite bliss eternally. That's it. That's Idamabo. Infinite bliss, which is existence itself, eternally, forever. That's what the Russian wants us to have. And so on. And, and this is what we'll experience. And so on. But remember one thing. The only one who knows who God is, is himself. The only one who can know who he is, is himself. That shouldn't stop us at all. When you pray to the Bershom, guess what? You really pray to the Bershom. Whether you can see him or not, you know, let me ask something. <clears throat> There's a king, right? You gotta email the king, right? Are you communicating with God? Yes. Are you seeing the guy? No. You know, visual experience isn't necessary. You know what I'm saying? When you pray, you are talking to God, wherever He is. That's why it says, "I am a coin So where is He? Where is His place? Unknown. But whether, but whether you see God or whether you experience Him, that's a different story, in the sense of who He really is. But do not think because we relate to the Shechina that well, where's God? No, you're talking to Him, however He. Knows and hears and all that stuff. You know, I said, I want you to walk away and say, well, who am I really praying to? No, no, you are talking to God. However, the experiencing of the Bersham is through the medium called the Shechina itself, which itself is beyond comprehension. That's really where it stands. But in terms of what God could have done, we don't know. It could be an infinite variety of universes that he could have created and they all have their Moshe Rabbeinu's and they have whatever, we, we have no idea. God is not limited by one Bria, not by one shot. Okay, I hope you all got, got that. What? You know, it's really a, I think it's a very important issue.
that really fills you in to where you're at. You know? You ever walk into a, a, a hospital, you look at a picture and it says, you are here. You know, where are you? <laughs> For the emergencies, you know? This year is all about you are here. So this is the last year for now. God willing, I'll be back at the end of February, which means March, April, May, part of June. And if there's a request, I will continue to show. Okay. What the shop is late, huh? Was that? Yes. The problem then obviously is much so as I was late. So I don't know I I, I that's that's a quandary. I don't know how to solve it.